Hello and welcome to the In Squash podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and uh, today on the podcast uh, we have episode uh, 30. 30 episodes in and uh, we're going strong. I just want to say thanks to everyone who's been listening. Uh, today's podcast is a very special one because we have on uh, two-time uh, Canadian national champion and the winner of this year's uh, Canadian men's uh, national championship, Andrew Schnell. He's on the podcast today, and I'd like to thank him uh, again so much for for coming on. Uh, before we get into the podcast, though, I also want to uh, congratulate, belated congratulations uh, from the podcast to uh, Norel Sherbini, the winner of the British Open uh, uh, on the women's side, and uh, Miguel Rodriguez, the Colombian cannibal, uh, surprising everyone uh, in a week of, uh, of big surprises in the British Open. Perhaps uh, none as big as this one in the history of that tournament. Uh, Miguel Rodriguez becoming the first uh, South American player to win a Super Series title and, of course, the British Open. So congrats, uh, Miguel. And um, I think I owe him a, uh, a uh, trip to the Dubai Autodrome. Uh, he's big into the kart racing. <clears throat> and at the time, uh, I didn't. Uh, I, I noticed where he was in the Super Series ranking, so I thought I was pretty safe in uh, making the um, proposal that uh, if he gets to the Super Series final, then I would take him uh, to the uh, Dubai Autodrome. I've never been there myself, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, sort of. Uh, I'm I'm excited about kart uh, racing, but I'm I'm not big into it. But I'm going to have to uh, get my head around it because. Uh, Miguel uh, is going to be getting a uh, trip to the Autodrome if he has time while he's here. And um, anyways, that'll be uh, an exciting little uh, side uh, episode, I'm sure, for the podcast if it uh, comes about. But anyways, again, congrats to uh, Noor and uh, Miguel. Great wins for the both of you. Uh, exciting, fantastic squash at the British Open. Um, and uh, which brings us to... Uh, uh, today's podcast, Andrew Snell played some uh, some great squash in Calgary at this year's Canadian National Championships, and uh, he's on the podcast today. Uh, great chat with Andrew. I know you're going to like this one. Uh, we talked about uh, growing up playing squash uh, in Calgary and uh, the many influences that uh, impacted his game until now, uh, starting with uh, Arthur Hoff from the um, the Glencoe Club in Calgary, who's influenced many of the, the, the great players that have come out of Calgary uh, over the years. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we go into um, the Canadian Nationals winning it on home soil, along with Danielle Letourneau uh, as well, and uh, also his career uh, going forward. And uh, a little bit about uh, Martin Heath's new role and hopefully... Uh, the impact that he's going to, the positive impact that uh, he's hopefully going to have on the game in Canada. So uh, I know you're going to enjoy this one. Andrew Schnell on today's podcast, Canadian Men's National Champion 2018. All right. Uh, welcome to episode uh, 25 of the In Squash podcast. And uh, we're delighted to have on today uh, the recently crowned Canadian uh, National Champion 2018. Uh, he's he turned pro in 2009, uh, five-time winner on the PSA Tour and uh, two Canadian national titles. Recently, most recently on the PSA Tour, he won the, uh, the Bankers Hall Open in Calgary. And uh, also this year, he was the Canadian men's varsity champion 
uh, amongst other accomplishments. Andrew Schnell is on the podcast. Andrew, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great. Great to have you on the podcast, Andrew. And uh, well, it's been a few weeks now uh, since you won your second uh, Canadian title. Um, now, has it sunk in that yet uh, that you've uh, that you're now a two-time Canadian uh, national champion? <laughs> you know, I I was actually asked this question just a few days ago, and uh, it's it's sinking in. Let's say it's uh, it's an interesting thing because it's not really. It's not really a high so much as it is uh, like a, a relief, I think, because uh, this is one of those tournaments you kind of train for throughout the year. And definitely I put a lot of pressure on myself. And so to actually actually win it and then start the offseason from, uh, from that position is, is really a weight off the shoulders for me. Um, but in terms of sinking in, you know, I, I thought of changing my, my email signature to two-time and, Cana- and reigning Canadian squash champ, but I <laughs> decided not to do that i'm just kidding but, that's not you know, I, I did answer the phone to my brother once uh introducing myself as a canadian champ and he told me that i need to go take a hike because <laughs> so, yeah, they, they, they keep me humble yeah that well that that's what a good coach should say right yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so uh well you won that you won the title on home soil in calgary which must have uh, been been so uh uh, made you so proud to do that. What did it mean to you uh, to win it in Calgary uh, in front of your family and, and uh, your friends? Yeah, that was an interesting thing because I think uh, um, that could have been in, that could have been taken in, in two directions. You know, I, it's a lot of people were were kind of asking, "Oh gosh, like you've got a lot of pressure on your shoulders. It's at home. You're in the final. Like everybody, you know, really wants you to win." And uh, you know, but on the other hand what an opportunity it was to to play in front of the people that I, that that have really supported me and then the Glenco brought in a glass court and um yeah. and, and then to be able to win right after Danielle Letourneau who's also from the Glenco uh one um it definitely ranks up there as as one of the the career highlights for me and, and I know it's not world champs you know I know I'm, I'm by no means am I the best player in the world uh not even close but uh but that one was pretty special. You know, it, 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 I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things that'll, that'll be in my, in my memory bank for a long time. I'm really, really, really fortunate and glad to have, to have won it. And especially, like I said, alongside Danielle, um, yeah. who had won the, the, the women's on behalf of, of the Glenco club too. The, the one part where I was a little nervous was, so Nick and I were about to go on and Danielle <laughs> had just come off and yeah. she had the trophy in her hand and she was, you know, get like hugging everybody and and I was just sitting in the chair with my headphones in and I looked at her and I was like oh man (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right I better win this like what an anti-climax if I don't you know yeah yeah well I I guess the uh the the tournament at Bankers Hall uh, I had Bob Ballinger on actually just before that uh event and uh we talked about Bankers Hall I guess that would have been sort of a a little bit of a mini warm-up for the uh for the Nationals for you absolutely yeah and and also uh Bob Bob has been in my corner for quite a while you know him oh really okay my brother Graham are, are my two main coaches uh and uh and so yeah bob has always been a huge supporter of of my brothers and mine yeah. um and so to, to to be able to win his tournament was huge because that's the first pro squash i had ever seen um you know mm-hmm. i'd never really seen anybody play at the professional level and actually my the earliest memory i have of watching professional squash was 
seeing actually Borja Golan uh, came through qualifying at Ballinger's tournaments and won it from qualifying. You know, okay, yeah. When I was when I was like eight years old or nine years old. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a, he's up. He's a thirty-five, still playing on the tour. Yeah, he's amazing he, and yeah. really nice guy and, and yeah. classy, classy competitor. But yeah, that that tournament at Bankers has always been just a, a staple of uh, of the and one of my favorite events of the year. Partly also because it's at home. Yeah, absolutely. There uh, and Bob. Uh, I mean, I'm dating myself. He he would have been in the age group above me in juniors, but we we know each other from way back. And couldn't be a nicer guy. And uh, and he knows his squash too. Absolutely. Yeah, he's been he's been uh, an integral part of the team. Just just in terms of being su- a, a big support and somebody that I can turn to as well if I need input or advice. And uh, you know, he'll he'll make sure that he's watching all of my matches. If I'm out of town, he'll watch them online and then give feedback. And then we'll do some feeding sessions and whatnot. And him and Graham are in constant communication too. So it's, I'm I'm pretty fortunate to have two guys that uh, that I respect in my corner and. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure to be able to, to, you know, I think, I think <laughs> you win for yourself, obviously, but, yeah. but, uh, to be able to win and then see the satisfaction on their face is kind of nice too. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, uh, I think he, he felt pretty confident cause I remember he, he, he put me on the spot and asked me who I thought was going to win the event. And, uh, then, uh, he said, he said uh, that you would win the event. Who did you say? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, um, I said the French, the French guy, Baptiste. Um, was it Baptiste? Uh, Baptiste Mazzotti. I yeah. think I, yeah, that's who I picked. Uh, He's not, not, yeah, yeah, but uh, I should have picked you. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, I don't blame you. He, he, we played in Montreal. Baptiste got me. He beat me uh, in five in Montreal. Yeah, no, uh, and but uh, obviously, like I said earlier, that that was a good. Uh, good way for you to sort of prepare for the Canadian nationals on home. So with a little bit of pressure, the hometown pressure. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. That helped. And also, I mean, the, the, the best part, or well, one of the highlights was playing against Nick in the finals because Nick and I played in our, in a couple of finals in junior squash. I remember playing Nick for the first time when I was, when I was 10 years old in Montreal, actually uh, for junior nationals. And so it was kind of surreal, you know, we played junior national finals at the Glencoe in our last junior tournament. Um, and then, and then now, you know, who would have thought we'd be playing in the, in the finals of this, of the men's nationals is pretty awesome. So he, you've both won two now, if I'm not mistaken. Nick is one, he won, he's won one. He's won uh, he one. won last year. He won last uh, year. Sean has won two. Sean has won two. Yeah. And then, and then, then, uh, then Shahir and Jonathan, they dominated uh, for so long. Yeah, and Graham Riding as well. Graham he riding. Graham Riding probably should have won way more than he did, be, yeah. but he had jumped power just a there. Bad time, bad timing for him. But yeah. uh, just to get back to the Calgary thing, um, yeah. Now, how? I mean, I, I'm not sure how close you are with Danielle. You must be quite close. But for her to have won on home soil after having so many uh, close calls, uh, how proud of her were you uh, on that day to see her pull it off? Yeah, well, I was. We we're. I was kind of nervous because she'd been up uh, two games to one against and, and up in the third in the fourth game against Holly the previous two years. Right. And so you know to be up two one. I think she was up like seven three. Um, and Holly is an amazing competitor uh, yeah. and really knows how to dig in. And she did. I mean, Danielle pulled off that game fifteen thirteen. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that was pretty amazing to see. And Danielle and I have 
played all through juniors and, and also with Danielle's brother, uh, David. Um, we, he was always competing against Graham, my brother, and, and then Danielle was just a bit younger than me. So, you know, she, she, uh, I know that she works incredibly hard. Um, probably one of the hardest working girls on tour, I would say, especially yeah. physically. She's just, well, she, I was really impressed. Uh, she played very well that game and she yeah. just seemed to be, she was so full of energy and on top of her game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's really impressive. She's, she's, a, she's a specimen physically. It's impressive to see how hard she works. So I was glad that it paid off for her. And I think that was definitely a weight off her shoulders as well. Oh, for sure. Now, uh, yeah. obviously, um, you, you got your start playing in, in the Calgary area. Um, yeah. And you played at the Glencoe Club. Now, now I think, uh, now back in the day when I, when I was young, it was Arthur, was it Arthur Hoff? Was That's he, right. Yeah. 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 He, he was there and he was coaching a lot of the juniors. I think maybe yeah. even Jamie Crombie and uh, a right. few other guys back then. Uh, what was it like uh, for you growing up uh, in the, uh, as a junior in Calgary and who were uh, those that were influential or who impacted uh, right. your game at, at a young age? Well, Arthur was, uh, was my first coach as well. Um, okay. And, and also uh, Glenn, Stark to, Glenn Stark to an extent. Um, they were the guys that, that started my brother Graham and I off. And I was really appreciative of, of Arthur as a coach because he, he really emphasized, you know, the importance of hitting a good straight ball. But more than that, uh, he emphasized sportsmanship and, and, and yeah. respecting the game and honoring the game. And I think I'd watched some clips of Jonathan Power you know, when I was 10 or 11 and I went on court and I thought I would be like him and <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. was talking to the ref and, you know, had a huge yeah. attitude and stuff. And Arthur, I, <laughs> Arthur took me off court and said, if I ever do that again, I'm, I'm out of the program. My dad took me off court, said the same thing. And then my mom took me off and said, actually, I am out of the program. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and luckily she was, you know, usually she, mom wins in those situations. I think, yeah, exactly. And I think it lasted for about five days and then she let me play again, but that was a big moment for sportsmanship. Yeah. Anyway, but, uh, but yeah, Arthur was a huge influence on, on Graham and I from that perspective and you know other other people that that have probably impacted my game more than anybody uh Gene Turk was huge oh yeah, um, yeah. when I was you know 14 or 15 Canadian legend oh yeah and and I've never met anybody who loves squash more than more than Gino and just yeah. would talk and talk and talk and I'd go to Winnipeg and stay at stay at his house with his family and uh you know stay up until one or two in the morning and Gene would just just talk about his experiences playing, uh, you know, Jancher and Jahanger and yeah. training amongst those guys. And it was just, it was, he, he was probably responsible for, for making me more of a student of the game, like starting to question, you know, why you hit certain shots and the, the tactics behind it. And I still think he's one of the, one of the best, uh, mind, one of the best minds in the game today. Wow. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, and then uh, Jonathan Hill had a big influence on my game. I still right. do some sessions with him. Um, and, uh, and then the biggest influence of all would have been Graham first is, uh, you know, cause he was older than me. So he would beat me right. pretty consistently until we were 16 years old, but we'd always played eat and train together. Yeah. And then from that point uh, just as a competitor and now as a coach as well, cause he's, uh, he's in chiropractic college full time. Okay. And, uh, but still is, I, I go to Toronto. I'm spending about half my time in Toronto now, maybe even a bit more. 
Um, and, uh, and Graham's the one that's analyzing my game and then trying to push to the next level. And, and, uh, it's just good because a, cause he's my brother, he can say things that other people can't right yeah. and be you know you can call me an idiot and i won't get mad <laughs> well, <laughs> a little I'm bit, little, but little bit of tough friend. love yeah. yes <laughs> and and then b uh he he knows me better than anybody else so he knows you know uh the way to put things in, in a way that i'll that i'll be receptive to right on uh, uh now are you studying in toronto andrew or or calgary because you you i'm actually yeah yeah i am doing a, a master's of uh science and kinesiology at u of c Okay. But when I took that on, I asked my supervisor if or I informed my supervisor of my tournament and training schedule. And so it's, it's very much uh, uh, like, I wouldn't say through correspondence. It's just that my, I can do all of my research on my computer. So I'm not, I'm not like stuck in, Cal- I don't have to go to Calgary for classes or, you know, I don't have to be in Calgary. I can do it from anywhere. So, right. um, which is nice. I, I like to have that balance of school and, as well just just that, that you know, can you keep you out of trouble as well you've got yeah you've you've got something else to to give keep your mind working anyway yeah exactly now um now just uh looking at your pro career a bit the last the last uh few years i guess you might agree with me in saying that they've been a bit up and down for you yeah um sure. yeah but you did win in calgary and uh so <laughs> when you look when you look back at this last season what are your the last year or two, what are, what would your takeaways be and what do you need to do to get to your, your goal of, uh, of reaching the top 30? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, that's a good question. Um, you're completely right and valid in saying that the last few years have been up and down. I think my career high came so far. My career high was like two years ago when I got to 60 in the world. And then since then was, and I won nationals that year. And then since then, uh, I, I kind of, I think I started to focus a lot more on outcome goals versus process goals. And, and, uh, and what, what do you mean by that, Andrew, for, for those? Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I guess, I mean, um, I had expectations for results, but not necessarily for my performance. So, you know, I, I thought, Oh, I should beat this person. I should beat this guy. I should be here in my rankings and whatnot. And, uh, and rather than thinking, you know what, I should be getting my length to the back of the court or I should be putting myself in a position to win. Um, you know, I was thinking about the outcome and really you don't have any control over, over what's actually happening. Um, or sorry, whether you actually win or lose, you just have control over how you're playing. So, you know, that was a bit, that was a bit discouraging. Last couple of years have been, uh, have been up and down. You're right. I mean, I had a bit of, I had a pretty extensive shoulder injury after nationals, that I won two years ago that was out for a couple of months. And then after nationals last year, I had a back injury that was out for about a month. And, you know, and then this year I, uh, just a couple of like familial things that was going on. It just felt like I never was able to really get a, get a good uh, solid block of training and tough to um, generate any momentum. Exactly. Yeah. And, and winning is a habit, but losing also is, I mean, when you're going and losing first round, at a lot of these events, you're not getting the the match practice that you're the tournament practice that you need. Whereas if you're going deep in lots of tournaments, then you get a lot more uh, match aware, and then and then uh, and that momentum and obviously the confidence from that builds up. So, you know, I think to get back to where I need to be or where I think I'm capable of being is uh, is going to be down 
to a developing a really solid fitness base that I was able to do for nationals because I think from a, from really strong fitness comes mental toughness, number one, and also comes something that you can, that you can fall back on. I mean, there were moments throughout nationals where I was playing really well and then moments where I wasn't playing quite as well. And in those moments that I wasn't playing as well, I had the confidence in my fitness to really just at least, at least tire my opponent out, you know, go to plan B maybe. And exactly. Yeah. Hang in the rally and make it, make it tough on them. And then, and then when it came back around and I was able to put a couple more shots in kind of thing, then, then you can start to flow again. So that'll be, that'll be key. I think is getting that, that really solid and strong fitness component back. And, uh, and then uh, I think from there, just, just making sure I'm, I'm playing as tough as I can, you know, and, yep. and having that confidence that hopefully will come a bit from this, but then confidence in, in, my, in my process and playing well and, and playing the game that'll hopefully lead to more wins and then, and then more momentum and, you know, hopefully get that snowball effect where one thing leads to another. But it's such a, it's such a tough sport. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, and everybody's training so hard and, and, you know, all of the Canadian guys like Nick and, and Mike and Sean, David and Cam, uh, you know, they're all, they're all training really, really hard. So just gotta make sure you're trying to work, you're training harder and you're training smarter. So, yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, smarter, uh, um, I just went through a bit of your stuff on your, on your website and your blog and, uh, you seem to be quite a, like a philosophical, uh, you have a philosophical or cerebral way of looking uh, at your game or aspects. Of- I like to think so, but I don't know if anybody else does. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Well, I, I seem to think so. After, well, winning, after winning the Nationals, you posted on Instagram. I'm just going to quote you here. You said, yep. uh, sometimes winning is a paradox. You work, you work so hard for so long to obtain glory, but then, you, then, but then once you do, the only real intelligible emotion is humility. Yeah. That's, quite, that's quite a humble outlook uh, on things. What exactly, in terms of your own personal journey, does, uh, does that statement uh, refer to yeah i mean i for for any event like this where you're where you've worked really hard for a really long time and you actually obtain it i think for me i i started to realize well first of all being an athlete is a pretty selfish endeavor you know (laughs) you you train for yourself you want to win for that glory like i kind of alluded to there and uh and it's all about you or it can be if you want it to be that way and then when you actually win, you look around and you see all of the people smiling and laughing and you go, wow, this really wasn't about me in the end. This is about performance. Um, so rather than, than my you know, integrated support team being Andrew Schnell driven, it was always performance driven. Yeah. And then when you, when you view it that way, you all of a sudden realize that you know, all of these people are supporting you and you wouldn't have been close to where you've gotten to without them. And, and yet you're the one that's obtaining the glory and they're, they're on the sidelines. You know, I don't, I don't feel as though I, I don't know, this might be, maybe I'm painting myself in a really, really amazing light and I don't mean to be, but I, I don't feel deserving of, of the amount of glory that I've received insofar as these people have been just as responsible or more responsible than I have been, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I think I just recognize that, that uh anything that i've got is is sure i've worked hard yeah absolutely but but there's other people that 
that need to be recognized in that as well, you know? Well, I think uh, you might've hit something on uh, something re- really important here. Um, it seems to me that if you want to be successful, you have to recognize that it's just not you, right? So yeah. if you want to achieve success, you've got to build, I guess, like you say, like a team and recognize that you're not the only one on that team. Everyone's contributing. And as a result, uh, hopefully you, you, uh, you the person, will, will achieve uh, success. Absolutely, yeah. And the thing is, is that all these, like the people that have really assisted me have done so um, selflessly, you know, they haven't asked for anything in return. They, they've just done it because they, they, they believe in, in me and, and, and want to assist me. So that, that brings it even, even more to the forefront when you're like, wow, like, yeah, I don't feel like I've done anything to deserve this stuff. And yet these people are really in my corner, really supporting me, you know? Yeah. Now also, uh, on your blog, I, I read the, it was really interesting. The, the think, think I'm lucky. Think again. I, I, I enjoyed reading that one. Right. Um, yeah. now this, uh, this kind of made me think of, uh, something that happened to me a while, a long, long time ago. Um, it was my the first time I'd ever beaten the Nova Scotia number one in a tournament. I was just out of juniors and I, okay. I beat him. And, uh, he said after the match, he said, Oh, congrats. And then he said, uh, you can't beat luck. Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Eat luck. But uh, yeah. now, maybe he was like, you know, like you, maybe he was thinking, you know, maybe, maybe it was deeper than that. Maybe yeah. it goes into what you were, what you had been writing about in your blog. Uh, yeah. yeah. I know you've been working hard, Jerry. Uh, yeah. Well played. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Kind of what you were getting at in the scene. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think uh, the grass is always greener on the other side, you know, like if, if you're if you're doing whatever it is you're doing in life you can always see oh man like i wish that person were or i wish i was able to do something or gosh that guy's got it made or whatever it is but i think and don't get me wrong as an athlete we do have it made in a lot of ways i'm not trying to say that oh you know we're 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 hard done by by any means it's just that you know the amount of work that goes into um those moments is is a lot just like it is in any in any profession and so you know I, but in sports i think people are more inclined to say oh it's luck or, or if i were in that situation um then i would have done the same thing and yet when that person who came to me and said oh i wish i were you know and i wish i were a pro athlete well we'd played juniors together we'd grown up together and and uh and had access to the same club and the same resources and our parents were you know relatively i don't know what's gone on in this person's personal life by any means but he made choices to do uh to go to university full-time and now he's got a great profession and he's doing really really well and i made choices to go to university as well but balance out with squash so all i was saying is that you know we both had made our choices and and uh mine had led to one thing and his had led to another and it wasn't luck that had got either of us to our situations. It was, it was the choices and decisions we'd made and the work we put in. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and you may, like, like, really uh, well. like I think what this, uh, this older, the, the number one guy in Nova Scotia might've been uh, getting at, but I don't think so was we make our own luck. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Roger Federer said that too. 
today. You know, he <laughs> said, the funny thing is the harder I worked, the luckier I got. Yeah. Yeah. No, so true. I mean, in our, I think if everyone looks back at the, the successes they've had, whether or not, whether it's in sports or in some other uh, activity, uh, if you look at the hard work that you put in, I bet you, uh, most on most occasions, the, the successes you've had would come yeah. shortly thereafter, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that I'm not lucky. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I really am very fortunate. I've, I have a family that, that has been in my corner and like we've already talked about, I've had a lot of people that have contributed to my success and, but I've also done, put in the work, you know, so. And, sure. Uh, and maybe this uh, myth that, you know, it's, it's luck, maybe with social media and technology, with, with all the videos that we see now of players, mm-hmm. including yourself, working, doing the, those crazy circuit training, 400 meter sprints in yeah. the gym, that it's all out there now. And it, yeah. uh, I don't think many people would want to try uh, half the stuff that you guys do. Yeah, it's it's pretty miserable at times for sure. Um, yeah. The other one that gets me are those people, you know, the the ones who are like, oh, as long as you're having fun, it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, I, I've never, I've never once thought my tenth four hundred meter sprint was fun. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's never been fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's satisfying and it's like job satisfaction at the end of the day, just like any job. But it's not always fun, and that's that's okay. It's how much re- how much rest do you take between your four hundreds? By the way. Uh, so if I do if I do 400 repeats, I'll usually do you know around uh, 10 to between 10 and 15 sets depending on the day and um, and my training phase. And I'll usually do uh, like a fartlek style of right. running. So I'll do 400 sprint, 200 jog, 400 sprint, 200 jog. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty miserable to be honest. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I've been, uh, I, I started, well, I'm 50 now, but I'm trying to stay competitive, but I, I do, I started doing 400s about a month ago. And right. That's it, like you said, it's miserable, but when you're done, you feel like you, at least I do feel like I've, I'm reliving the days of old. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't think there's many exercises that are as effective for, and, and like transferable to squash as 400s really. Really? Um, I mean, the, the other ones that are great are, are actually, I think court sprints are always underrated because you got yeah. the change of direction in court sprints. And then, uh, and then actually if you do, you know, um, like beep test repeats, those are pretty miserable, but you have the change of direction and you're also getting to the really upper end of your, of your cardio capacity. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's your record on the beep test? If you don't, if, if you uh, want to, or is that, a, is that a secret? I don't know. No, that's fine. Yeah. If, if I were to do one, um, so one beep test, the highest I've got in Calgary, which so high altitude, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. noting all my competitors. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I got to 16.5. Yes, that's good. That's good. That, that, that's about the, that's what David Palmer got to, I think. So. Yeah, he's, that guy's amazing. But he did five. <laughs> yeah, that's he the thing. Five, he does uh, it five in a row. Yeah, 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 it's incredible. Oh, he's, that guy is an amazing athlete. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, just getting back, you we talked earlier about your your goal to get to the top thirty, and you you've gotten to sixty, so it's definitely within the realm of possibility to get there. You've had your brother in your in your corner for the past few years, and I didn't know, but also Bobby uh, Ballinger. What needs yeah. what What do you think needs to happen for you to sort of get to uh, that goal? In terms, for sure. of, yeah, yeah. Well, I think my you know, my, my highest performance 
like to date has probably been there thereabouts probably in the in the in the forties I think I could say reasonably on like a one off if I'm playing my best squash. Yeah. And so now it's about uh making that repeatable, I think. And uh and that'll happen um obviously with the amount of work that I'm that I'm gonna be putting in and, and have been putting in. But but uh I think, you know, my my length it needs to get better obviously and and all and uh um I think my movements actually could, could use a bit of work in terms of mobility um, and, and getting out of, out of the corners. You know, sometimes we get a little bit stuck into the front and back corners. And so I'll need to, to address that. And that's something I'm going to be working on throughout the summer. Um, I'm really pleased actually in uh, squash Canada recently hired Martin Heath um, as their high performance. You just uh, stole my next question. Yeah. So, so I've already, um, been in contact and been had some pretty lengthy discussions with him and uh i'm going to be going to toronto to to work with him uh alongside graham to see to see i mean i don't i don't know if it'll be like what how the extent of the partnership will be to this point because we don't know how well we like if we see eye to eye if we work really well together i really respect martin and so that's a really big thing to start with but it'll be interesting to see how influential uh, his role will be on me. Um, right. And if not, I, I will be looking for, for input from, yeah, somebody up in and around his caliber, whether I've done some work with Amr Shabana in the past and he's been amazing. So if I can get him back on court, that would be, I mean, ideal or uh, also David Palmer is another option, yeah. but for sure, I think you're, I think you're, you know, hitting the nail on the head is for me to get to that next level. I'll need, I'll need somebody who's been there, you know, and, and somebody that, uh, that can direct my performance in that direction. Yeah. Actually I had Martin on my podcast just recently and uh, we were talking a bit about you and, um, uh, Nick and, and the, the four yeah. guys that are, that are doing really well <coughs> in Canada. And now since he's been hired, uh, as the, the new performance director, he has a vision, although I'm not sure if it's, uh, infirmed up yet, but, uh, Obviously, his role will have an impact on you, like you just mentioned. What, what sort of areas would you, you know, if you had to sort of give advice or give some feedback, what areas in terms of Squash Canada's elite program, if per se, uh, could they develop, uh, could be developed more uh, under his watch? That's a really good question as well. And uh, um, something I haven't given too, too much thought to. Um, I think what the the immediate strength that he's brought to the table is uh is the player's respect um because we all know that he's been you know like three in the world or been as high as number three in the world he's got a wealth of experience um as as an athlete as well as a coach and he and we all are aware that he knows exactly what it takes to get to the top of the game and so that i mean like when he came to the first meeting it was amazing how quiet all of us were and willing to listen to what he had to say. <laughs> yeah. That's huge. That's huge. You know, that's, that's absolutely huge. And so look at the success he's the, had uh, at Rochester as well. I mean, uh, he's yeah. turned that program around. Absolutely. Yeah. He's yeah. been, he's done some great things. And, and one of the, one of the first things uh, the players kind of agreed on was to try to get that, um, a core, a core group training together consistently and regularly in Toronto under Martin's watch. And there've been times when that's happened before, but it hasn't really been guided or, or, um, 
haven't like strategized to that extent. And so if they're, we can get that core group back together training consistently, that'll be pretty big for, I think for our improvement, Um, you know, and, 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 and for me, like I said, I'm spending a lot of time in Toronto as it is, but even more of a, uh, an antecedent to, to, to go to Toronto and train there. Yeah. One thing um, that came up was um, like I, I'd mentioned the European leagues and that's something that yeah. you never see any Canadian players. I think Jonathan and Graham, maybe Shahir might've played in them regularly, but uh, none of the guys are really playing over there. And that's a really uh, fertile ground in terms of uh, getting that, getting that match play, that, that top level match play. And we, I sort of, asked martin what he would think of maybe why not have have a league in in north america boston montreal toronto get some teams based out of those cities and in in a timely you know in the with the timing being during the tournaments that are played at around that time too i think that would be awesome um and i think that that'll be the key like you said to make sure that it's that it's uh, in a small enough area, like, you know, just the Eastern U S as well as uh, maybe, you know, adding Toronto and, and Montreal in there because yeah. the strength that Europe has over North America is it's a lot smaller. So people can get from like one country to the other in no time, you know, whereas, yeah, yeah. whereas here it's, it's so big, it's, it's difficult to, to move around, but um, certainly the, the funding for that, or the, the appeal will probably have to come mainly from the States because, uh, you know, the, the private organized, the amount of money in the Eastern U.S. for, for squash is incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. And so it would be awesome. I think that would be something that, would, that I would really be interested in playing and competing against and for to get those, reg, like you said, those regular matches. And those not just regular, it's, one, it's easy to get regular practice matches, to get, but to get regular matches that actually matter, yeah, that's... Exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, those guys are they're they're playing like twice, oh, two, three times a week in those leagues, sure. aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, some of them are. Yeah, and and some of the some of the leagues are really important. Like they've got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, well, a lot of money up for grabs, which yeah. makes the leagues pretty important matches as well. Would you uh, ever consider perhaps making a move there just to so you could uh, take advantage of that situation yourself? I don't think, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I would, I would ever move there full time. Um, but I definitely would consider going for, for a period of time for sure. You know, like whether it's a month throughout the season or, or kind of a couple weeks in the fall and a couple weeks in the winter kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I, my, you know, my family and my girlfriend and, and obviously, uh, my, my education is all in Canada. And so I don't think it would ever be something that I would move to full time. Um, also I'm, I'm a little, you know, I'm 26 now. Uh, my, my life is here now. So I'm, I'm not, it's easier when you're like 18 or 19 to move yeah. over there. And maybe that's something that, you know, I should have done in hindsight to, to or, if really you're, or if you're European as well. So it's a lot easier. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, maybe it's something that I could have done at a younger age that might've boosted my squash career, but yeah. I don't know. I'm, I have, have been able to, to have opportunities in other areas by staying here, maybe not squash wise, but other opportunities in life, which I'm happy about. So, well, perhaps uh, maybe the onus is on uh, squash Canada or squat or the, the people at the highest levels uh, administratively in squash to start thinking more along those lines and, and provide uh, the top players with those opportunities uh, over here. 
Yeah, that would be awesome. And I think that's something that, um, that Martin is, well, there, hopefully Martin will be, will be looking into. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, it seems like a really good step for squash candidates to have brought him on and, yeah. and something that, uh, that we're all really looking forward to. Yeah. Now, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, Amr Shabana, and, uh, I noticed, uh, in one of your profile bios that he's, uh, he's your favorite player. He's, I think my favorite player as well. I always watched, uh, watch his matches before any league match that I played. Yeah, sort of, me too. This is how you play, right? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, this is how you're supposed to play. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, um, you know, you've played him before in exhibitions and I guess maybe yeah. in a few tournaments, and I didn't realize that you've actually had him uh, sort of giving you advice or coaching. Uh, what's the experience been like for you uh, having uh, Ammer to a certain degree at your side? Yeah, I can't say that I, that he's been uh, a hugely influential player in my corner. I mean, in terms of uh, coaching, I've spent a couple of weeks with him. And in that time period was unbelievable, you know, just to, again, to talk the tactics with him, sure, but also just to be on court with him and watching how purely he strikes the ball. It's, uh, it's awe-inspiring. You could watch it. You could watch it all day, or I could watch it all day. It's, it's yeah. unbelievable. And, uh, and it's funny, by the end of those two weeks, all of a sudden, you know, your own swing starts to relax a little bit and you start to, to hit the ball in a similar fashion. And that only, for me, that only lasted a couple of days. <laughs> but that's okay. Because I just think, in my opinion, I think he's the best player of all time and, and uh, you know, strikes the ball better than anybody has before. And also, he's, he's such a gentleman on court, which, which is I really respect as well. It's awesome. Oh, for sure. For sure. Now, uh, Andrew, what do you have uh, coming up? Uh, uh, I guess it's off season now, uh, or or it's approaching. Uh, what what's on uh, your plate for the off season, and uh, when does it all kick off for you again? Yeah. So right now, I'm, the off season started for me right after national. So I've I've been taking a little bit of time off, and um, it's really it's it's nice weather here in Calgary. So I'm enjoying some outdoor stuff and. Uh, you know, just, just taking a bit of time away and uh, I'll kick off off season training here come next week. Cause that will have been two weeks off and start to get into uh, some really heavy physical, physical work to get that base for the season and hopefully set myself up well. Yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> making, making trips to, uh, to Toronto to, to work with, uh, with Martin as well as my brother throughout the off season. Um, and, and this is the time where, where you can make, those bigger changes that might lead to, you know, like a, an initial performance deficit because you've got the whole summer to, to yeah. hopefully pull that through. Um, and, uh, and so I'll be looking to make those bigger changes and then hopefully set myself up well for the season. And I think the season will kick off with uh, Pan American Championships in Cayman Islands. Oh, great. Or the Caymans. Not Love a bad place, eh? Yeah, it's pretty, you, pretty lucky. You, you have a pretty good record at the, the Pan Am Games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, again, maybe not completely due to myself. I've had a really good team. Like I played doubles with my brother and then uh, Sean Graham and I, uh, uh, we happened to win gold at the 2015 Pan Am Games in Toronto, which is definitely a career highlight. So, uh, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll be able to do well again this year. The team will look slightly different. Uh, it'll be, I think the team is set to be, I'm not sure if it's completely set, but it's, I believe it's myself, Sean, Nick, and Mike. Okay. Um, yeah. And, 
we'll see how it goes. Hopefully we'll be able to, to do well in the Caribbean. I mean, I've never been down there, so I'm looking forward to checking it out as well. Well, that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll be uh, rooting for you guys for the old general, uh, Delier, and then the three, uh, the three new, new guys uh, taking over the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Andrew, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks so much for, for coming on to the podcast today. And uh, I hope we can do it again soon. And uh, also, I'd like you to keep, keep, your, keep going with your blogs. I enjoy uh, reading those. Thanks. I'm glad somebody does. You know, I got <laughs> oh, a couple of key, key, key Don't people. Don't underestimate that, yourself. I bet they're being read. Uh, can you see the analytics on those? Or uh, I can. Yeah, yeah. Some of them it? actually have done. I've done rather well. I, uh, you know, I think I, I try to make them just, just a, just a tiny bit controversial so that people will start yeah, to talk yeah. about them. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, not, not deliberately trying to, yeah, trying there's to definitely, uh, it, it, they're cerebral, but uh, there's definitely a bit of an edge to it as well. And that, yeah. that's why I like it. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping to, to generate a little bit. So that people will talk about them and say, Hey, I agree or disagree with this. And then maybe they'll share it with their, with but, their um, Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Anjuma put one out there the other day that, that stirred up a bit of, uh, that was amazing. Isn't that crazy? The, Have you yeah, ever heard anything like that? I, I, you know, I have not actually, I was yeah. blown away and I'm not saying, I, I don't doubt that he, that that actually happened. I mean, there are definitely, yeah. you know, there's definitely a way of, of doing it. And there's some, there's some people out there that would be willing to do that. Maybe not. I don't know if it was a player or an organizer or somebody on behalf of a player or what it was, yeah. but. Uh, I bet you it was um, an or someone on behalf of a player. I, uh, it would have to, uh, I, I, I can't imagine it being a player, I don't think, but. Who knows? I think they, they obviously, they know who it was. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, pretty unbelievable. I mean, I actually like uh, a lot of uh, LJ's blogs. He's, he's done yeah. a really good job with that. He's a good writer. He is. He's, he's writing a book now uh, in, in Dutch. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it listened, if you go in and listen to his podcast, he, on my uh, podcast, yeah. he, he talks about his book he did, at the end of it. And it's kind of a murder, uh, not a murder, like not a murder mystery, but, there's something along those lines. It, it, it's, Murder on a squash court. No, yeah, yeah, there, there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, isn't that uh, Jonah Barrington's? It's Jonah Barrington's classic. Yeah, have you? Yeah, read I read, I've read that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, this one's, this one's uh, fiction. Yeah, yeah. He's into the That's fiction. awesome. Good for him. That would be interesting to to uh, to read. I mean, I don't know Dutch, so hopefully they'll come out with a a translated version or something like that. But he's but, a good uh, writer. Yeah, good writer, and but so are you. And uh, keep keep it up. Uh, I liked uh, I like what I've read so far, and uh, also all the best next season, Andrew. I think uh, you know the best is yet to come. So uh, good luck, and again, thanks, thanks for coming on. Hopefully, I'll be able to. If there's ever any uh, tournaments in the in the in Dubai region or the UAE, I'll let you. I'll let you know, and maybe we can meet up or something. For sure, I'd love to have you on again, uh, Andrew. Maybe maybe uh, before the nationals next year. Absolutely. That would be great. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Take All care. Right. Thanks to you too. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's episode 30 in the books, everyone. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Andrew Schnell. Congratulations again on winning the Canadian national title 2018. And uh, for everyone, uh, over the next few weeks, we've got some Super Series Finals-related uh, content coming your way, so stay tuned for that. I'm excited uh, about those next few episodes. 
And uh, also, I hope you're all enjoying your squash. Uh, for me, I played today. I played well today and uh, finished my match. Uh, I think it's the third time now in a row where I finished it with a beep test. Uh, Andrew Schnell talked about the, uh, the value of the beep test today on the podcast, as did uh, Gary Nisbet uh, on his uh, podcast. So I thought, uh, why not? Why not uh, uh, inject it into my routine? And uh, it's, a, it's a bit painful, but I think, uh, you know, I noticed today the, the fitness levels uh, weren't a problem and moving around pretty well. So anyways, I uh, hope your squash is going well, too. Uh, take care. Again, thanks for listening. And have a great day. Goodbye now.